Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More to Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that is our mission at More to Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More to Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get an access to a library of Bible study content content and biblically based coaching resources that will help you align your life with his best. That was a mouthful today. Uh, So on today's episode, we're excited to have Jennifer Dukes Lee, a friend of mine and a fellow author, join us. She is a storyteller of the best kind and a grace dweller, which is why I like to spend time with her. She is author of It's All Under Control, The Happiness Dare and Love Idol, and her brand new book, coming out in the beginning of May, 2021, Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. Once upon a time, she didn't believe in Jesus, and now he's our CEO. She writes and speaks across the U.S. to testify of his faithfulness and to make his great name known. You can connect with Jennifer at jenniferdukeslead.com and by listening to all of her wisdom today as she joins us on the podcast. Jennifer, welcome back. We're so glad to have you. You're always so generous to invite this farm girl to your podcast. And it, it's so fun. Always a highlight. It's so fun. And actually, there's been an epidemic of farm girls coming on the podcast this season. <laughs> You're like my second or third one. And I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Because he knows I'm like enamored with the rural life. Like I, it's so opposite of my New York, Long Island, mall chick street, you know, busy street kind of world. And so I just love what you have for us in this new book and, and how it came to be. So would you kind of give everybody context if they've not heard you on the more to be podcast before kind of give your backstory, how you got to this place and, and then help us know what you've learned through writing this book. Yeah, so I am an Iowa girl almost all of my life. I grew up in a little town with 300 people and no stoplights. We had a grocery store and a a drug store and a hardware store and a lot of country roads leading to nowhere and big open skies. And I wanted to escape it. It sounds very romantic and lovely, I think to people living in the city, but to me, it felt almost like prison. It felt like no opportunity. And I was determined to encounter the kinds of places that you just described, Mm -hmm. the bustling city and um, the skyscrapers um, reaching up high Mm -hmm. and just had dreams about what that would be like to ride a subway, you know, (laughs) and just be somebody. I really wanted to be somebody. And so um, I went to Iowa State University and I studied news journalism. And I took off with a rather successful career in news journalism. I was a newspaper reporter um, working my way up to what I hoped to be the Washington Post or the New York Mm. Times. And I, I was on my way there. I was a political reporter. I covered the presidential election of 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm weirdly 
a political junkie. You know, most people oh, are like, wow. turn the TV off. But I, I am very interested in it. And I think it's because of my background of covering mm. news in that way. When 9-11 hit, um, it rattled something in both my husband and I. And we began to look back at the kind of life that we had um, and the things that mattered most. I think we all did, right? Yeah. We all looked at what mattered most um, when those towers fell. And we had a lot of deep conversations about um, what was most important in our lives. Mm. And at the time I was pregnant with our first daughter, Lydia. Mm. And we made um, the decision, a hard decision really to move back to his family farm, the fifth generation family farm. That wow. would mean that I would leave behind a news career. That would mean that Scott would leave behind um, what he was building after having graduated from law school. Mm. And um, we knew it was right, but it was a difficult transition to sure. come back to the farm. Um, but now I have the benefit of hindsight here in 2021 of looking back and seeing how God was weaving a story and he used a farm and a place mm -hmm. where I can see what it looks like to go through seasons, um, what it looks like to plant and grow and harvest good things mm -hmm. because I'm watching it out my window and it becomes a metaphor for me of what it is to live a life of growing good things with mm. God. And that became the basis for this latest book, um, which is really the mo one most tied to this farm. And yeah. people are just constantly interested in, in the farm and what lessons I'm drawing from the farm and how God is teaching us new things always from the farm. Right. It's kind of amazing, too, because as I think about your life, you you returned to the farm. And yet because of technology and because of the day and age that you live in, you very much are still using your gifts of writing and speaking and communicating right now from your farm. Does that do you ever just be like, I cannot believe that I'm living the life of obedience with the blessing that I thought I was giving up? I mean, does it feel like that to you? Right. Absolutely. In every way. And when we moved back here, my faith was still um, just coming and emerging out of this agnostic view I had of the world, despite having been raised in a Christian home and despite okay. have, having spent like every Sunday in a church and every Wednesday in a church and all those things. But intellectually, I had difficulty believing the truth of what I was taught as a child. And so I, I had been emerging and coming out of that by the time we moved to the farm. But um, to have my faith journey and, and my professional journey and my personal journey all converge here in this place where my feet were on the bare ground of an mm. Iowa farm, it was just, un it was unreal to me. And, and the fact that um, after a lot of years of really not writing anything at all, I was, I really just sort of shut that off, not thinking that there was any chance that I would be able to really do much of anything with it. I started yeah. a blog. I began yeah. to teach journalism at a little uh, college in, uh, now it's a university, Dort University in Sioux Center, Iowa. I mm. began to freelance for news organizations. And then I realized that God had placed a message uh, on my heart for a book. I got an agent and I got published. And wow. now that's, that's where we're, we're just constantly putting words out into the world. And, and I value as much the words that I put on Facebook and Instagram to bless people on a daily basis as I do the, the words that end up in a book. I, I feel that uh, this need to, 
to put to words what's going on in my life in order to better understand it. I feel like mm -hmm. I live life in, twice in a way, you know, you just sort of live it and then to make sense of it, uh, writing it down is brings it full circle for me. That's totally for me as well. And you're also now an uh, editor an acquisitions yes. editor. That's right. Yeah. Another of the word thread coming through. Right. right? And so right. interesting story about that. Um, in 2013, when I pitched my first book, Love Idol, uh, my agent took it to various, you know, 10 to 15 different Christian houses. Sure. And I had a fabulous conversation with an editor at Bethany House Publishers, okay. but they decided to pass. They decided uh, that I had, a, it's called platform yep. in the author world. And I didn't have a big enough platform. They liked the writing. They liked the concept, but they weren't sure because I was, I was pretty small and growing pretty slow, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> growing slow was the reality for me. Anyway, I maintained a friendship with that editor and really just enjoyed our conversations on Twitter. And from time to time, I would send him a note. Um, as the years passed, hey, have you have you checked out this up and coming author? Mm. I think they've got a book. And in 2018, they came to me and said, we'd like to pay you to do that. Like, will you come work for us and like recruit great authors for our company and acquire their books and walk yes. alongside them? And it took me four months to, to decide whether I wanted to do that. Yeah. But I'm so glad I said yes, because it's an opportunity for me to help other authors and other writers in a really meaningful way. Yeah. And yeah. it is such a God thing because, you know, think about the times when you've been rejected and oh, think plenty. nothing good can come from this soil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it turns out that the, the place that once rejected me is now the place that I work for and absolutely love, love the work that I'm doing of bringing good books into the world. I know. I know. It's true. I love that you said the rejection. All of my book proposal rejections have left me with fists flailing and screaming at God and pretty much hating him for a good old 24 hours. And then he, it's like the psalmist, right? You, you cry out in anger, but then he, it turns to praise and, and the Lord is so faithful to bring me to like some aha moment and he uses that rejection to fire something in me that wasn't lit before. And that lighting has produced larger blessings than that than the, than the vision I had for that one project, right? It's not to say God couldn't accomplish the same thing if that no was a yes, but the outcome was not wasted. And it's, it's so crazy. It has increased my faith through the rejections more than the success. Right. That is so true. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I just, even this morning, there's a situation in my life that feels like, it feels like a no. Um, it's not a writing situation. It's another situation. When I look to the left, it feels like a no. When I look to the right, it looks like a no. I'm looking ahead, it feels like a no. But I'm noticing that my response to it is so very different than what it would have been in the past. Because with each of those no's, I've got, I've gained new eyes to see where the yes is. And I'm like, oh, but that Lord, you accomplished this in that and this and that. And so whatever you want to do, uh, if it's a no, it's a no. And if it's a yes, then you need to make that abundantly clear. And it's a different space. It's a different season for me. And that's one thing that I am looking at your book. 
you talk about these seasons and the seasons on the farm and the the really pivotal moment that was turning in your life to recognize hurry from unhurry. So I, I want you to kind of unpack that for everyone. Sure. So there was something that happened on our farm that was rather devastating. Um, a few years ago, rains came and created such a situation that we weren't able to get into the fields and plant. Mm. And it was a problem throughout much of the Midwest. We'd never experienced anything like that in all of our years on this farm. Mm. And that's our livelihood is to get into the fields and plant good things. Yet we prayed and we prayed at church. We prayed and we prayed around our, our dinner table with our family. And honestly, Lisa, in the, my heart of hearts, I knew God would come through. Mm. I absolutely knew it because this is his earth. These are his fields. Uh, this is where he called us to. And I had every confidence that it would, it would work. It would be a growing slow year on our farm that something would grow. I was certain. What occurred mm. to me at the same time is that what I believed to be true for the land, what I be believed to be true for our farm, I didn't necessarily believe to be true in my own life mm -hmm. because a, idea, the idea of growing slow mm -hmm. in the life and in a culture that says, go big or go home mm -hmm. and you need to be an overnight success. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be any good at anything, you're going to have to hustle yeah. and you can look at your life and feel like no progress is being made here, despite the fact that I have been planting seeds again and again, and I just can't see growth. And sometimes it's even in the way that you can't get into the field in the same yeah. way that Scott couldn't get into the field. Right. I mean, I think about people who want to plant seeds in their child, but you know, their, their, their 22 year old son just won't even return their phone calls or they want to uh, plant seeds uh, by writing a book or starting a ministry, but they just can't quite get in the field. They can't, yep. the, the door is just shut to the right. field. I mean, like what I was just saying. Right. Exactly. Right. Or in their, in marriage, right? Like mm -hmm. so many women I hear from, and I'm sure you do too in ministry yeah. that feel like they just can't reach breakthrough in their marriage. Right. What does that look like in those places? And mm -hmm. I began to explore all of that. And I, I began to understand that the reason that my life often felt hurried and anxious and panicked and rushed and blurry, like I was running through life, mm -hmm. wasn't always because I had so many things on the calendar, because I've kind of taken care of that over the years, learning mm -hmm. what to say yes to and what to say no to. But yet I felt something in, within me that just didn't feel resolved. And I realized that I had a hurried heart. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't about what was happening on the outside or what all the things I'd committed to or what was on my calendar. It had to do with how I was processing my growth and how I was processing my world on the inside. Mm -hmm. And it, it was having, um, honestly, it was having physical effects on my body. Yeah. Um, I had, was having gut aches. I was having headaches. Um, I just was having anxiety. I, I felt like my heart, heart was racing at times, but I, I just kept looking to my calendar for an answer. Like, what do I need to get rid of here? Yeah, sure. I went to the doctor. What do I need to do here? And um, my, my doctor said, you, there is no pill to fix this. There is no thing to take off your calendar. 
this is something that's that's happening inside of you. You have a hurried heart and we need to figure out how to unhurry it. And of course, mm -hmm. we all know who the answer is there, right? You know, we got to yeah. take this to Jesus. And so I began to uh, um, unfold a growing slow life and one that doesn't value multitasking and one that mm. sits longer at the table and one, a life where uh, we look into each other's eyes and actually have deep and meaningful conversations, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not a life where I am kind of talking to you, but also kind of checking my phone. Yep. Not a life where every time I hit a stoplight, I have to pick up the phone and, you know, quick check to see if there's a new email that's come mm. or a new text. Um, yeah, it, it's really been transformative for me. And the lessons that I have drawn have come out of the land. I love it. And Jesus, he, he used the land all the time when he right. was speaking. And so I, I see it in a very literal way outside of our windows. Yeah. And interestingly, in the Old Testament, the fifth most common noun in the Hebrew is land. What? Yeah, it's the fifth most commonly used. Wow. And so there's the, all of these lessons for land are... are um, our story begins in a, a farm called Eden, yes. and then we're moving through land in this, this wilderness land to get to the promised land. And then we're exiled from that land and we return to that land. Yeah. And our, our story of, of the, the New Testament all unfolds in real places and real times that we can visit. Mm. And then, you know, our story ends on land in yeah. a new earth. And I think it's going to look an awful lot like a farm. I know. <laughs> I, know there's, I know there's a city, but I also feel like there is evidence that there will be a beautiful and amazing farm. Yeah. Well, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, all creation cries out of his glory. And, and uh, I loved you when I, I can't find it in the, the book, but you talk about the corn, you know, you've never seen an anxious stalk of corn. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I laughed out loud. My son was in the other room. He's like, what, what's going on, mom? I'm like, context, I'll tell you later. <laughs> you know, but, but it's true. Like when creation knows their creator, there should be a steadiness in our spirit and not an anxious and not a hurry. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about all season on the more to be podcast where I, I started a Bible study for us in January called let go and live. And so once a month, the, the um, podcast episode touches onto that. And then the rest of the content is in the sisterhood. And the idea is this big vision for breakthrough. How do we find out how to press into the life God has given us? Uh, but, but at a slower pace. So the scripture study is um, one chapter of scripture per month that we read, write, and pray through again and again. Because where God has me, Jennifer, is this like, you're so you know bent on having to read through the Bible in a year. I tried that last year and failed, right? And you're bent on checking off every chapter of scripture in your Bible. But what are you taking in? Like, that's where God has been with me. Like, I need you to chew longer <laughs> and sit longer and think about it longer. And you know, just yesterday I, I recorded the monthly um, episode. I had spent days in this passage and I sat down again to rewrite it. And I was like, oh, dang, I missed that word. Like, 
I've already been in it for five, six days. How did I miss something? So this, this slow, unhurried thing, hearing you say that and reading it, like it really does make me want to cry because there is such sweetness in it that I have missed all my life. And I, I don't want to miss it anymore. I don't like what you're saying, sitting at the table and savoring it. Uh, I, I was sharing with someone recently, our, we have this dynamic of Sunday mornings. Actually, it was on another podcast episode. And so whoever's listening can be like, well, I heard you say that, Lisa. But, but Sunday mornings in COVID life are long, slow, savored brunches with my family. I don't ever want to go back to the way it was as much as I know it's important to go to church, right? So what's your wisdom for moving into an unhurried life? Like what's the next step that women have to, have to should consider taking? Yeah, so I, um, for everybody, it's going to look a little bit different. And so I walk them through processes of, of, in laying out a philosophy for growing slow. And in the book, um, there are practical um, actions that people can take, mm -hmm. but also reflect reflection questions and application points mm -hmm. to help the woman. Uh, it's generally what my, my readers are generally women. Yeah. Um, put this in action in their own lives. It, it can be difficult because the circumstances are so different, but mm -hmm. it's, it takes a lot of intentionality because every other part of our world is saying, go fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the value of the overnight success is, um, you know, just watch like mm -hmm. American Idol or The Voice or, yeah, or right. whatever, right? You know, right. as if that's the norm. And so I think the first step is pushing aside uh, that pressure that we put on ourselves, because the reality is good growth and sustainable growth, the kind of growth that we talk about in sustainability on farms that's yeah. the kind of growth that we need to have in our own lives. Yeah. And so it, it, it requires a level of patience. So uh -huh. for instance, um, I'm a mother of two. And there were a lot of things that I was doing with my children when they were young that I didn't see immediate fruit from. So I can see now the fruit of things that were done 10 and 15 years ago. Sure. I can see it now when my daughter at the beginning of last year says, do you want to read through the Bible in a year with me? Mm -hmm. I can see it when um, she has her own prayer journal. Mm -hmm. I can see it um, when, when my younger daughter's uh, willingness to, to serve at um, Christian retreats and do those sorts of things. Like when they were younger, it just seemed like I could hardly get them to sit at the table or to say their bedtime prayers or... Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever it is, you just, just, you just can't see the fruit in that. And so yeah. this is really a call to a new way of living and yeah. a call to patience. Growing yeah. slow is a school of patience. Yeah. And it's also really, it's, you, you mentioned uh, when we had a little prayer time before we were on our podcast, yeah. you talked about relearning. Yeah. yeah. In some ways, growing slow is a process of unlearning. Mm. unlearning all that we have been taught and being willing to take into our hands 
um, the good things that God is growing and seeing value in what is small and ordinary. And so there are different things that we can do, of course, in a, in a practical nature. You know, for instance, I mentioned multitasking and uh, lingering longer at the table, um, mm-hmm. taking walks, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, just looking people in the eye when you're having a conversation. And when you ask mm-hmm. somebody, how are you? to stay uh, for the answer. Um, The last several days, I've I've had a a dear friend who has, um, is getting close to meeting Jesus. Mm. Um, And every day, this is an incredibly busy time in my life. But do I really want to rush through all the things that I have to do on my social media and on my book marketing and all that? Or do I want to leave the desk for a while and sit with a friend who I'm not going to get to see? very much longer until we both get to heaven. And so it's just, it's just those little things and it's going to look different for everybody. But I think when you begin to adopt the philosophy, the Mm -hmm. ways of making it real in your life are going to be quite evident. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I also have seen God's blessing in that as I have blocked off margin space on the calendar. I love that you said calendar, but that's not the end all be all Um, and, and tried to be intentional and, I was mentioning to you before we got on, I mean, I went through a real season of restoration and rest. And then I decided to go to graduate school and got my butt kicked um, in terms of time commitment and expectation. And so by the end of the semester, first semester, I was like, yeah, I could, I could kill myself and miss out on my family for the next three years. Or I can say, I'm going to go for four years. And I changed the program to a four-year program because that's 10 extra hours back a week. And and then as I was looking at my work responsibilities, I was like, no, no, you are not saying yes to more. So you can, you know, you are saying yes to less so that I can be more like Christ in my countenance and in my presence with people because, you know, and, and so there is that season, I think we get ourselves into a pickle and getting out of it isn't just like, oh, Jennifer said to grow slow. Lisa said to cut back. Tomorrow's going to be a brand new life. There is, uh, I feel like there's very much on ramps and off ramps. And so you're going to have to get on that ramp, however long it's going to be to transition to the change of life. And it's going to require a, an emotional component of how do I feel about this? A, a cognitive com- component of what do I really think about this and a physical component. Okay. How am I going to get my body to believe my change and begin adjusting the adrenaline rush, the workaholism, the adrenal fatigue uh, that sometimes puts us in a cycle of doing, 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 because feeling different than that is scary. That is so true. And as somebody who has numbed pain with productivity oh, yeah. over the years, it's, it's, it's a difficult transition. So I'm not saying that growing slow is easy, but mm-hmm. I'm saying it's necessary yeah. <laughs> for yeah. my life. You know, I've, I've had run pretty hard um, yeah. and scaled fast in some areas of my life. But the times when I have felt most fulfilled, most fulfilled in this life, most at peace is when I wasn't in a hurry. Mm, I know it's true. It's true. Uh, 
my more to be coaches are probably listening to this. And so one thing I often say to them and the gals who are in coach training is that uh, three years, they need to think of growth in three years. First year is learning and, and, and fumbling. Second year are some pivot points. And third year is where you begin to find a sustainable groove. And a time and time again, I just talked with a coach yesterday who said she's, you know, connects with the girls that, that took training with her and they're all discouraged because their coaching practices aren't thriving, but they, they only graduated like eight weeks ago. Like, you know, I'm like, no, it doesn't happen overnight. Like you have to show up again and again and, you know, pull the weeds and plant the seeds. And I, so I was sitting down to create some uh, curriculum for them, for the coach network. And my, the first thoughts that came to mind, this was before I was looking at your book was if you want to grow, you first have to sow. That's good. <laughs> right? Like that is just what it is. And the sewing is not glamorous, right? So I know you talk about that in the book. Can you talk about the, the unglamorous side of sewing with the kind of the farm metaphor and the experiences that you've had? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, I think what I, where I'm going to go with that question, and I'm not sure it's exactly what you asked, but what came to mind for me is that most of us want to live in the, the planting and the growing and the harvesting seasons of our lives. And then as soon as we get done with harvest, we get back into the field and we want to live in this constant cycle of plant, grow, harvest, plant, mm. grow, harvest. And when we look at our friends and when we look out on Instagram, we look, you know, the strangers that we follow on Instagram, it looks like every other woman on the planet yeah. is in a constant cycle of plant, grow, harvest. What is necessary, however, is a season for, there's like on the farm, there are four distinct parts of the growing season. Mm. There is when we plant in the spring and then when we watch it grow in the, the summer and then when we harvest in the fall, but we don't go right back into the fields. The fields go fallow. Mm. And they freeze over. And um, Scott, my husband, always says, winter heals the land. Mm. And what he means by that is, um, for instance, snow has uh, nitrogen in it. And that nitrogen hits the soil and heals the land. There are microbes and little critters and things running through the underneath in the dark, dark places under the frozen ground, moving and healing the land. Mm -hmm. And one of the most remarkable parts of healing the land, I think, is um, uh, there is this, in the frost-thaw cycle of earth, um, rocks are pushed up forth. Mm -hmm. So when we look at a field in the fall, you wouldn't see rocks, but come spring, you will see that winter unearthed these stones, these burdens. Where I lived, um, wow. a, about a hundred miles east of here, it was it was a significant issue. And our, my first job as a um, teenager wasn't a waitress or a lifeguard. It was picking rock. That's what oh. it was called. We need to go pick rock. Not just one, even though there was more than one rock. It was called picking rock. So That's a farmer funny. would come into town and round up a bunch of us kids, and we'd go out and pick rock. 
And what that meant is that we had to go through every square inch of acres upon acres of land. And the farmer would drive along with a flatbed trailer and we'd throw rocks onto the, the yep. trailer. And we, we'd yell, rock! As you know, kind of workplace safety here, you know, yeah, so that right, we'd right. move out of the way and wouldn't get hit in the noggin with somebody else's rock. And so the next summer, or the next spring, it'd be the same thing all over again because more rocks had come up to the surface. And see, this is the value of a winter season within us. Winter seasons where we aren't planting and growing and harvesting heal us. Winter heals the land and winter heals the soul. Mm. It gives an opportunity for God to unearth the, the stones that get in the way of good growth to bring them to the surface and so that he can carry, carry them away. And without this kind of rest and without taking time in this particular season to allow winter to do its work in my soul, I'm never going to have sustainable growth um, mm. in the sowing and the growing that you talked about. Now, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you were getting at, but that's what God put on my heart when you asked that question. It's so perfect. Um, it's so perfect on a number of levels. One, you explained something to me that I have been wondering. When, when I was volunteering pretty actively at my friend's farm, we would have to pick stones out of the horse pastures because you would have to go in with a mower to mow down the fields and the stones would break the blades. And I was like, why are we always picking stones out of these dang fields? Like, where are they coming from? And now I'm like, oh, okay, long winter, more stones in the spring. Now it makes sense to me. But as you were saying that, the metaphors made me think of Ezekiel 36, 26, where, where so I just want to read that. I mean, I know you said you wanted to look at uh, Ecclesiastes 3, but before we go there, um, this is so good, so good, so good. So, uh, you know, Ezekiel is the prophet that was, you know, came to give quite a message to God's people. And, and this book speaks so much to me because this was about 12 years ago now, uh, right before God like sent me into counseling to deal with my anger issues. I had this conviction come over me that I needed to read the Bible for myself apart from Bible study, apart from commentary, I needed to open my Bible and read. And for whatever reason, God decided Ezekiel would be a great place to start. And I knew nothing. Like I would read these passages and be like, I have no idea what this means. And the Holy Spirit just kept on opening my eyes. I took a notes. I had my own notebook. And when I got to this passage in chapter 36, it was almost the exact timing of my first counseling appointment. And so um, and I'm going to start with verse 25. Ezekiel says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols, which God is still working on in me. Verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And so I, what you were saying, picking rock and throwing it, <laughs> I just had this visual of the way God took the stones that were in my heart that came out of a very dark season of my life. I mean, there, was this, there were stones for the emotional abuse and the physical abuse that I went through and the unforgiveness and the bitterness. 
that he needed to get out to make room for himself. And then there were the stones of the idolatry of who I thought I needed to be and what I was worshiping apart from him. And and then there were the stones of shame and guilt for the sin I committed, the, the things I had done before I knew him and the things I was doing every day that made me feel awful about myself. And God just gave me this picture through this passage of give it to me, name it, lay it before the cross and, and let me heal you because I will replace something new to grow inside of you. Instead of that bitter root that will grow up and defile many, Jesus found a dwelling place inside of me that he had never existed before. And it's, he's not done with that. I mean, that's been a journey I've been on for the last 12 years. And I think, goodness, that now I understand through your illustration of why there are these seasons where I don't feel growth and I feel like we're throwing rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good, that's a great analogy. And if you keep going in those, those Ezekiel verses, yeah. Um, uh, remember when I told you that land is the fifth yes. most common, okay. That <laughs> word right there, land is Eretz, E-R-E-T-Z in the Hebrew and he, and, and what's, what they're saying here is, and then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. And it's talking mm-hmm. then about being fruitful and I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops. Yes. So when you get rid of all those stones, then we can get in the fields for our, for our equipment. Right. And right. get in there and be able to plant again. But without winter, those, you know, those stones are just going to stay buried and you can probably get out in the field and you won't break your equipment because the stones never came up. But right. you're just going to carry that stuff around. Ugh. You're just going to carry it around for the rest of your life. And, and um, it might look on the outside like you're growing good things. I know. It's going to look good. But boy, it's, you're going you're gonna to have that hurried, anxious heart. Shallow, so, shall, I just think shallow <laughs> roots that can't endure the storm. That's right. Yeah, it says don't, you know, don't plant in rocky soil. No, <laughs> we no. Gotta have good soil. We got to be good soil girls. Right. Have good soil so that the stuff that's in there is like sustainable. Sustainable. That mm-hmm. and that is a key word, right? Do we want a, a sustainable life that gives God glory through the growth? Or do we want this shallow, weak, non-thriving life that relies on our own effort? Uh, really? Oh, this is so good. <laughs> There's so many, um, so many ways forward, and we probably need to think about wrapping up in the interest of our listeners time, but I, I want to pitch this out there. So we may have touched upon some things for our, our listeners that, you know, they, they can see a vision of like, I often say vision is more like getting out of Dodge than actually knowing what the end goal will look like. And so I would imagine that there's a number of people who are thinking, yeah, I, I want to be unhurried and I want to, um, and not have a stony heart anymore, but I've done everything I can and I, I can't make it happen. And I would say as one who has lived that, it is twofold. It is the continually in the word, asking the Holy Spirit to be alive and active, repenting of our sin and, and letting God clean out our heart. But there is a, an appropriate time in which we just can't do that by ourselves and that would be a time to connect with a, a therapist, a Christian therapist who understands that you're not trying to do this on your own, but you need to see somebody who understands what, 
what's holding you back. And there are, there are issues that we go through and mental health challenges that require a, a professional to help us through. And you know, some, sometimes I will hear, well, I, my insurance won't cover it and I don't have the money and I can't afford this. And I would say, well, you know, ask the Lord to provide in that regard. Uh, and certainly the more to be coaches are a good place as a starting point, because one thing I've trained them all to do and that I will do is not make a long-term commitment because we're sort of evaluating, do you need coaching or do you need counseling? And we'll be the first ones to say, this is out of my wheelhouse. Please go see a therapist and we'll support you in that process. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be the healed person person, the in healing person that I am today without the support of the therapists and coaches that have walked alongside me in the dark winter days where spring came and we needed some rock throwing. <laughs> so, so anything that you want to add, Jennifer? I think just, um, I think that probably a lot of people listening consider as they're listening to this, consider themselves as seed planters, um, mm. thinking about all the ways that we plant seeds in our fields, right? Because that's kind of what we've been talking about because we're productivity driven. Yeah. But but what I what I want to pitch out is when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, um, he he said these words, and I, I don't have the exact address ready for you, but he said, You are also a field. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul said to the Corinthians, you are also a field. We aren't just seed planters. We ourselves are being planted into by God. Mm. And what he cares most about is the fruit that he is growing in us just as much as the the fruit that he is growing through us. The things about, about humility and generosity and charity and kindness and faithfulness and fidelity and growing closer to him and intimacy, like Mm. all of those things that he is growing in us and so instead of looking at um at at the world and at ourselves as objects of output to say i am god's field and what is he planting in me Mm, and there he is bearing good fruit in you and you in you lisa and me and in our listeners today Mm -hmm. he is bearing good fruit in you and for whatever reason he likes to grow people slow too. Yeah. <laughs> because he yeah. didn't bring us to earth as full grown humans, Mm-mm. but as babies. And right. he's growing us slowly into maturity of who he wants us to be. Oh, so true. So true. Jennifer, thank you for your wisdom. Would you uh, be willing to let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find the book uh, as it comes out? Yes. Uh, so the book is now available for pre order. And you can find out more on my website, jenniferdukesley.com or growingslowbook.com. And it's available wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes Mm -hmm. and Noble, your favorite uh, retailer right in your hometown. So I want to let the readers know that there's also a companion Bible study. Excellent. And free videos that we have been filming out here on the farm through all four of the growing seasons, That's including fun. winter, including we, we even have a, 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 this gigantic stone that Scott had to dig out with a skid loader 
to show the size of rocks that can come up out of this field. So it just, it's been such fun to create those videos for, for the viewers and for the Bible studies. So that's awesome. I think that'd be great fun. And the timing of it would make it uh, just perfect for a summer Bible study. Mm -hmm. One of those kind of summer outdoor gatherings, if we're still in COVID at that time. Uh, So just so glad, so glad to have you with us. Would you be willing to close us in prayer, Jennifer? Absolutely. Lord, thank you so much for this time together and for guiding and leading our conversation. And Lord, I think about um, all of the, the women who have their heads bowed right now in prayer and all of the things that you have called them to plant in the fields of their life, in their marriages, if they're married, in their children's lives, if they have children in their ministries, in their work, in their side hustles, and in their communities, and all the places that you have them roaming about on the land that you have placed them. But Lord, I ask also that you would uh, remind them that, that they themselves are fields, and that you are planting good seed into, the, into each one of these beautiful uh, people listening to this today, Lord, and that you would encourage them and give them strength for the journey ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jennifer, for joining us today. So much fun to be here. So fun. And thank you everyone for listening to the More to Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best, but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. You can also join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically based coaching resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.